Welcome back to the Daily Dish, folks. That's the hashtag MoneyWoke theme song. By the way, if you've never heard uh, or wondered why I've been playing that randomness, it's because when a bunch of kids say, hey, we wrote a song for you, a theme song for you, instead of doing a whole bunch of work, they slacked off from doing work and made a theme song, you just got to hook it up for them. Here it is. One more time, a different version. Everybody loves the hashtag MoneyWalk theme song. Thanks for making that for me. And by the way, folks, welcome to The Daily Dish. Talking about money stuff till my dishes are done on the Greg Chats Cash podcast. And today, I am talking to you about the book called The Index Card. That's right. You may think of, you know, those things with the blue lines on it, a little one little pink line or red line at the top. The Index Card. All the financial advice you'll ever need on one card. It's a book written by Helene Olin and Harold Pollack. Helene Olin is this great journalist, and Harold Pollack is a professor at the University of Chicago. Now, the long story short is, at one point, they had an interview together in some form. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher parts of this story, so bear with me. They had an interview together, and Harold Pollack offhandedly remarked that All the financial advice you actually need to be successful and build wealth health could fit on an index card. They moved on in the discussion, but that statement really stuck for some people, and they were like, well, what is this index card? Where is this index card? Show me the index card. And the two of them got together and wrote a book. Well, wrote an index. He wrote the index card, took a picture of it, put it on the social media webs, and then... They got together and wrote a book about it. And they refined what he wrote originally. One of the things that I'm going to put out there before I even begin talking about some of the things that he writes on the index cards to build financial wealth health, get money woke, and have, you know, things like a cash stronghold, build towards financial success, possibly even financial independence. One of the things to consider... And said, I don't fully agree with every aspect of this, but at the same time, you don't need to. I would agree that if you followed the gist of everything on this card, you would really set yourself up for success. But he is also recognizing, like recognizing, I believe they recognize it in the book. Uh, by the way, I did not read it cover to cover. Just gonna, you know, full disclosure here, people. I am uh, a bit of a speed reader, a peruser, and a long form video and audio consumer. It's been a while since I've been reading long-form books cover to cover. It's just not my style lately. And it's something, you know, I used to feel ashamed about, but no blame, no shame, right? That's what we're all about here. Anyway, going back to the 10 rules that end up on the card, the index card for all the financial advice you'll ever need on one card can possibly be seen as targeting specific people and socioeconomic classes. For example, when we start talking about saving percentages of our money, some folks cannot save a high percent of their money because of the money that they earn needs to go to things like life expenses. So he's revised the card a little bit here and there. And so the first rule that was revised is also rule number one. And here's how they put it in the book. Rule number one... Strive to save 10 to 20% of your income. 
Now, those of you who hang out with me know that I talk about having a cash stronghold, money saved for emergencies and opportunities, as well as saving money towards different priorities in your life through different savings accounts and things like this. Well, if you are on a path of saving 10 to 20% of your income that's accessible for spending, this is a really healthy way to build wealth health. This is a great place to strive for. You'll notice it says strive for because not everyone can pull a 20% savings goal. 20% is way too much with what's going on in their lives and the amount they earn. Therefore, there are different ways to tackle that, decrease uh, expenses or increase earnings, but that's a whole other story. Rule number two, once we get past striving to save 10 to 20% of your income, rule number two is paying your credit card balances in full every month. Now, this doesn't just apply for that. This is talking about, I think, also something to consider, loans and high interest debt. Paying off and paying down high interest loans and debt, as well as paying off your credit card balances in full every month. If we are having negative interest balances hurting us and hitting us in our financial growth and in our financial uh, uh, assets, uh, our financial uh, outlook, if we have that type of negative accrual, we have that interest rate working against us, it can really work against us for saving and the investing goals in the future. So back again, once again, rule number one was save 10 to 20% of your income. Rule number two, pay your credit card balances in full every month. Rule number three, and by the way, rule number two is not easy, especially those of us who are carrying debt. We can talk about that too. We're not going to talk about it right now, but if you want to talk about ways to hack your credit card debt, let me know and we'll make that an episode. Rule number three, max out your 401k or other tax advantage savings accounts. Now you'll notice at no point in that, what I really like about how they phrase this, at no point in that did they say retirement account. They mentioned a 401k, which a lot of people would think of as a retirement account, and they mentioned other tax advantage savings accounts. Because the reason these accounts that so few of us access can be so powerful is because we can get our investments to grow either tax-deferred, meaning paying taxes on them later, or tax-free. And therefore, whatever we grow in the investment, so if you want to be a high flyer and have a lot of fast-growing investments, having it in an account that is earning tax-deferred or tax-free can be a really powerful way to make stacks on stacks, to make your money make money. Therefore, maxing out your 401k, that's usually an account that's accessible through your employer in many job situations. Now, this once again is another situation where, hey, we may not have access to a 401k. This is one of the reasons I like to talk about the Roth IRA. If you don't know about it yet, we can talk about it. Check out some of my videos about it. Roth IRAs are one of my favorite tax advantage savings accounts because it's independent of your job. It is after tax, but all of the growth can be tax-free, meaning you could have high-earning investments that grow tax-free over time. Next, after we get back to maxing out our 401k or any other tax advantage savings because we're already saving hardcore. We're already making sure we're not carrying debt. We're also making sure that we are investing in the best uh, corners and accounts possible in our world. Number four is never buy or sell individual stocks. 
Now, this is a really controversial rule for a whole lot of people, and I highly recommend you reading the section in this book, The Index Fund, because rule number four, never buy or sell individual stocks, pushes back against a lot of people's interest in getting into investing, thinking that they have the in. Well, I'll tell you this, one of the best ways to do investing in the stock market is to go with rule number five. Buy inexpensive, well-diversified, indexed mutual funds and exchange-changed funds. You'll notice the word index, meaning instead of buying one company or individual company, we are buying huge groups of companies all at once. For example, the S&P 500, the 500 biggest publicly traded companies in America, you can buy an S&P index fund, an S&P 500 index fund, which is really cheap most of the time, as long as you make sure that the expenses are low, and then you can set it and pretty much forget it. Just like you're moving money into that 10 to 20% saving, you move money into the index fund. That's one of the best ways you buy, start a Roth IRA, set up on an automated monthly or weekly or bi-weekly or bi-monthly or, uh, you know, however many times a month or a year or a month or a week works for you, set it up so that you have repeat contributions to that because then when the market is high, you will buy some stock at a high price, right? And you'll be like, that's not a good thing to do. But then the next month, say the market drops all of a sudden, you are buying stock at a lower price. It's automated, you don't even need to think about it. It's just happening. So, buying inexpensive, well-diversified, indexed mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. I would also add to that, automate that system as much as possible. Rule number six, make your financial advisor commit to the fiduciary standard. Now, this is once again getting into a socioeconomic discussion of like, okay, uh, a bunch of us are probably not going to have financial advisors that we're sitting down with. What I would challenge you and say is this, is consider that perhaps when you do get to a place of money woke and financial wealth building, that even possibly a one-time sit-down, which may cost you, just like going to a lawyer or something like that, may cost you hundreds of dollars. A one-time sit-down to help you get on a track or at least get an analysis of your direction and choices and get someone who's impartial and as uh, rational at looking at your situation as possible, less emotionally attached than yourself or your family. That could be a very, very valuable way to spend some money at some point in your life if you're not someone who's going to have a regular financial advisor. But with that said, if, they, if you do look into financial advisors, a fiduciary standard. A fiduciary standard means by law they are required to act in your best interest. Guess what? Over 90% of financial advisors, yeah, they don't have to have a fiduciary standard. They just need to find something suitable. Anyway, moving on, rule number seven is buy a home when you're financially ready. This is important because homes are oftentimes pushed on people way before we're financially secure and prepared. Home loans can be very accessible in ways that can put us into dangerous situations. Well, since the Great Recession, it's changed significantly, but at the same time, there are still financial situations that can be tenuous and still have you accessible to getting a home and putting yourself in a situation where you're owing hundreds of thousands of dollars to banks, 
in situations where you may not be able to set yourself up to pay it back. So well, going further into home owning and home purchase right now, I would say rule number seven, buy a home when you're financially ready. That is a long-term assessment. One of the ways that I started thinking about it when I started thinking, how can I get ready for home ownership someday, is I said to myself, well, one of the things I need if I'm ever gonna get a mortgage, a loan, is I need to have a good credit rating, a credit score. So one of the long-term ways to start getting ready for buying a home even years down the line is what can you do now to improve your credit score? Just a quick tip. Moving on, rule number eight, insurance. Make sure you are protected. This is one that can feel really difficult to spend on. Watching a monthly expense go out the door and not feeling the return of it. This can be very difficult for us, but at the same time, making sure that you're being aware of insurance, what types of insurance you're needing. If you're a renter and have never considered renter insurance and you have valuable stuff in your place, I highly recommend it. Or, you have re or you're a renter and you have valuable stuff in your car, I highly recommend you look into renter's insurance. Another one to consider is if you do consider buying a house with a partner or a family member, life insurance. Because if two or more people are going in on buying a house together and we're making a plan on how those payments are going to happen, if someone were to pass away, all of a sudden that house payment becomes extremely difficult to make happen. Going into foreclosure because of someone passing away is not a, a foreign situation. It happens. So just being aware of when life insurance is important and a, a kind of a general rule a lot of people will say when it comes to life insurance is, and by the way, all this advice, take it at face value. You're watching some guy or listening to some guy do his dishes. So don't take all of your financial advice from one knucklehead doing his dishes. But when you consider life insurance, consider this. Are you, is your financial earnings, is your salary, is the money you make a extremely important part of other people in your lives uh, for their uh, well-being? Do you support other people with your earnings, with your income? Would your loss of earnings and income significantly hurt people you love? That's where life insurance comes in. This can also be where disability insurance comes in. Just some things to think about. That's rule number eight. Thanks for joining me, folks. Rule number eight is insurance. Make sure you're protected. Uh, by the way, those of you listening to the podcast later, I'm saying thanks for joining me for uh, folks like Strange Casey here who are jumping on the Instagram live feed because... Of course, the Daily Dish started on Instagram Live talking about my money till or talking about money till my dishes are done. And today, once again, we are talking about the index card, the book, the index card. And we were just talking about rule number eight, that insurance. Super important. Health insurance, car insurance, all the insurances this is, is really something to consider. In fact, the the very wealthy oftentimes spend a lot of time focusing on insurance. Good to see you, sir. Um, number nine, rule number nine, what can you do to support the social safety net? So at some point, you're, you're, you're in a situation, if you're doing all these things that we've talked up to up until now, you're really on a path towards really strong wealth health and 
you're being more money woke because you're being more aware of what's going on with your cash, with your savings, with your investing, with your debt, with your life, with your insurance, with your family, with your finances. So rule number nine is oftentimes mostly about how can we support the social safety net outside of our immediate circle? What can we do in our communities? What can we do with our uh, professions? What can we do uh, as a, you know, uh, an earthling? What can we do to support social well-being through things like personal finance? And number 10 on their index card rule is remember the card. So once again, I'll wrap up all 10 of them. The book called The Index Card by Helene Olin and Harold Pollack, Why Personal Finance Doesn't Have to be Complicated, all the financial advice you'll ever need on one card. Here it is. Rule number one, strive to save 10 to 20% of your income. Rule number two, pay your credit card balance in full every month. Rule number three, max out your 401k or other tax advantage savings account. Roth IRA, I love them. Rule number four, never buy or sell individual stocks. A very controversial rule. Rule number five, buy inexpensive, very important, well-diversified index mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, index. Rule number six, make sure your financial advisor commits to a fiduciary standard. That's they're acting legally in your best interest. Most of them are not required to do that. Uh, rule number seven, buy a home when you're financially ready. Be aware of being pressured into that situation earlier than you may be financially ready for that. Rule number eight, insurance. Make sure you're protected. Protect your neck. No, rule number nine, do what you can to support the social safety net around us. And rule number 10, remember the index card. Thank you all very much for joining me here on the Instagram Live, here on the podcast. Those of you who have questions, comments, want to add to this, really want to push back on what some of this book says, because some of the things, you know, just take it at face value. It's, it's an interesting perspective, though, for sure. And it's a super quick read. By the way, I didn't fully read it. Anyway, y'all have a great day. Thanks for joining me on the Greg Chats Cash podcast. Please, if you're listening to us on the, any of those platforms, and you've, uh, this is your first episode, have a great day. If you've listened to us before, consider hitting like subscribe or like or comment or uh, five stars or leave a comment. Or more importantly than any of those things, hit me up on any social media at Greg Chats Cash. Ask me your questions. Give me topics you want to see or hear on this podcast or on the stream. And I'm all about it. And if any of you, any of you play video games and hang out on Twitch, look me up because I'm getting started on Twitch at Greg Chats Cash. I love video games. Have a great day, y'all.